All right. Let me pray for us and then we'll just jump in. Uh, Father God, just pray, Lord, that you would um, guide our church, guide this time, um, allow us to hear one another, and, um, and Lord, most importantly, hear from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you guys do not know, this is Bob DeRico, Elder Board Chairman. We also have Tim Gates, Elder and uh, Logistics Guy. Love it. And yeah, Gable Rapper. And um, Eric Wanaselia is also, Doug Balfour is also on the Elder Board. Not, uh, he's, he's out of state or out of country. He's traveling right now. So, and is filling in for him. So real quick, um, a couple opening comments. Some people love change. And you're the people who you come in here, and I never know where you're going to sit. Because every Sunday, it's like, I'm going to sit in a new place. And then some of you detest change. Like, every Sunday, I know exactly where you're going to sit. And if someone sits in your seat, you're actually kind of annoyed. And then a lot of us are somewhere in between. Well, we have experienced a lot of change in the last two years. Uh, We've moved locations. We opened up our Bridge Street location, which has now been open a year. That launched all kinds of new programming last year. We had over 140 uh, scheduled events, hosted 140 events at the bridge. Um, we've hired new people. Like I said already, about 70% of you were not here three years ago. Um, we've become more and more Phoenixville-centered with more and more people coming from Phoenixville. We've added new staff. And as we move ahead, we've got more changes coming down the pike. And just wanted to talk to you real quick, lay out some ground rules about how the elders approach change and want to approach change as a church. The first and foremost principle that I want to share with you is this. We, as an elder board, in an ever-changing world, we are absolutely committed to the unchanging truths of the faith. So there are fixed points in our faith that any true Christian church at any time in any space should hold to if you are a biblical church. Those are things like the gospel, that the scriptures are authoritative for us. It's the Trinity, that Jesus is both God and man. It's those types of things. But we could add to that, that if you're at a church, there should be worship. There should be prayer. There's probably going to be some type of singing, although I imagine, you know, that might not happen in some churches. You could have a deaf and mute church. Um, so, but there are, there, there are fixed points that every single church in the whole world should have some expression of. And we are absolutely committed to those. And if we turn people off because we're so committed to the truth of the gospel or the truth of the scriptures, then so be it. We don't want to. But when we have to choose, we will always default to those truths. Understood? The second thing, though, on the other side, is we are absolutely committed to changing everything else for the sake of our mission. That if you create two categories of the things that are unchanging and the things that are changing, there's actually a lot more things that are changing than unchanging. So let's just give you a few examples. Should a church in China worship using a pipe organ? Should they? Most of you would say, well, probably not. That's probably not culturally relevant. Do they even know what a pipe organ is in China? Right? Should, uh, should we use the King James Bible, a Bible that was translated in the 1500s here at church? Well, probably not. We don't speak in these and thous and shouldists anymore, do we? No, it doesn't communicate the gospel. Should we have a pastor that wears a suit? Now, some of you would say yes. Some of you would say no. 
If, if we were a church in Malawi, the answer would be emphatically yes. Because culturally, for a pastor to function as a pastor, you have to wear a suit, period. In Phoenixville, I get to wear jeans. All right, so, so there are things that are going to be unchanging, things that are changing. We could go on and on. So the translation of the Bible, the types of instruments we use, the times we meet, how we pray, how we wear, uh, wear our clothes, the, the leadership structures, the staff, the denomination, the music style, the volume, all of those things, we have flexibility and we should change them. We can and should change them to serve our mission So we are absolutely committed to the unchanging truths, but we're also committed to changing everything else. So what is our mission that all these other things will bend around? Uh, I've got actually handouts. Can I get... Yeah, one of you guys help me out here. On one of these handouts, I I just want to give you an overview of... of, Just so that you can see it, we're not going to go through it all right now. We just want to give you an overview of how our mission and vision and strategy, how that all fits together so that you guys can look over that. If you have any questions, we can talk about it later. I've gone all over this in church services prior, but this is a healthy reminder. So our mission is that we exist to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples that glorify God by making disciples who make disciples that glorify God by making disciples that make disciples. Do you you hear the regress here? That we are a church that until Jesus Christ comes back, we're not just about making disciples— We're not just about getting someone converted. We're about making disciples who then give their lives to Jesus Christ and devote to becoming part of the mission of making more disciples. Got it? That's our mission. Everything should bend around that. The way we practically do that, and you guys have probably seen this in the lobby and the bulletin and all over the place, this is our our basic strategy about how we make disciples. Four things. Individually, we engage God personally. It changes our relationships. We need to connect in accountable relationships. It calls us into community. We serve and to serve and be served in the church community. And then it sends us out to the world that we are to go on mission with God and for God. That this is, this is who we are. So this is just a big overview of what we do. And, and these are the core things. So I want you to think of it this way. We have the scriptures and the basic core doctrines that are unchanging. And then we have these, our mission and our strategy that helps guide everything else we do. That all the changing things should submit to these purposes. So with that in mind, a couple big changes coming up. The first, and this is actually just a technical issue, but an important one. And I don't want you to miss here. We have to update our constitution. Uh, uh, 2007, eight. Uh, our church updated its, our constitution, and when, it, when we did that, we missed a few technical issues. The disillusionment clause didn't meet Pennsylvania requirements. The, uh, one of the percentages was wrong in it. So there are some technical issues that our church constitution has to be updated. I don't think any of you—we're not going to change it substantively at all. I don't think any of you will care in the very least how we're going to change it. Or it's really just some technical stuff. Having said that, we want to make sure we're explicit about why we're changing it and what we're going to change. And this is a long process that, according to our own constitution, which is wrong, we have to, uh, <laughs> we have to present it to you, vote on, it as a, a vote on the amendments as a congregation. But we have to present it to you and give 60 days before we can— it might be 90 days. So it takes, it's, it's a long process to change it. So October the 5th, we're going to have an official congregational meeting where we're going to present the changes to you. 90 days later, we're going to then vote on those as a congregation, okay? I want to say that just to say, um, 
it, it could sound like we're trying to change everything, and, and we, want, we want to be an open book on this. So that's what that is. And, and I think one of the key reasons for needing to change it is we don't uh, satisfy the Pennsylvania laws regarding sales tax. And so we, we don't get our sales tax deducted from any purchases for Pennsylvania. Federally, we're good. Yeah. So with the IRS, we are good. It's Pennsylvania state tax that we now need to pay because our Constitution doesn't have a couple things in it that Pennsylvania says we need to have in it. Minor stuff. The next thing I want to talk about is the, our relationship with the Evangelical Free Church. We, since 2005, we've been part of the Evangelical Free Church. It's this association of independent churches. Um, so five years ago, this is, overall this has been a good fit. Five years ago, before I came, the church was, I hear, was in a tough place. Uh, I'd lost a couple of pastors, hemorrhaging financially, some things like that. And the Evangelical Free Church did an amazing job walking in, stepping in the gap, and walking through the, those, that type of crisis transition. They're just great. And the last four years since I've been here, almost four years, uh, we've had fairly minimal interaction with the Evangelical Free Church. They, um, the other pastors, aren't, there aren't any really close to us. Um, the next closest church are about an hour away, so it's difficult for me to meet with other pastors or for us to do any significant partnership with them. Our, currently, our yearly involvement involves three things. Us sending them a check each summer, me attending a conference each fall, and then me getting some emails. All right, so that's the, the kind of—they do have some, some other things that we haven't yet experienced, camps and uh, things like that that I hear are great, but we've never experienced that. So with that in mind, let me say two years ago, we had someone come and want to become a member of GVF. We sat down with them and said, this is great. Let's talk about what it means to be a member. And they sat down. We went through point by point, statement of faith. And they said, we really want to become members. We love what you're doing. We agree with everything you preach. But there's one thing, oh, one thing we have a problem with. It's that word premillennial, the premillennial return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And at the time, we just had the Evangelical Free Church's statement of faith. And, um, and they said, I, I can't. I can't personally affirm that. Now, if you're wondering what premillennialism is, it's an end times issue. Revelation chapter 20 describes a scene in which Jesus Christ will come back. Satan will be bound, actually, and Christ will rule with the saints for 1,000 years from Jerusalem as the Davidic king. All right? That's, so the question is, which all of you are, I'm sure, just dying to know about, is, is Jesus Christ going to come back before that in a, in a rapture, a premillennial return of Jesus Christ? Is he going to come back after that, post-millennial? Or is that millennial period actually something that's going on spiritually right now, fulfilling Jesus Christ? Ah, millennial. This is a question that many Christians have disagreed about over, down through the ages. So, I came back to the elders, talked to them about it, and we all said, this is a problem. One of our core values, if you look at that sheet, one of, one of our core values of who we are as a church is what we call mere Christianity. That we want to major on the majors. We want to be about Jesus Christ, and we want to stand for historical Christian orthodoxy, focusing on the main things, Period. Because we have tr- people from a lot of different backgrounds. The last thing we want to do is say, oh, we're not like them. We don't want to divide the church up in any more than it has to be. And so as we went through it and we considered our statement of faith, we realized that every one of the doctrines in our statement of faith are things that we not only believe, but are like core things. Things that are historical, Christian orthodoxy. Things that most of the, which I would actually die for. Jesus is fully man and fully God. I will die for that. 
The Bible is the word of God. I mean, those types of things. And then we had this one word, though, that didn't seem to fit that, and that's premillennialism. Just to put this in context, if we keep that word in our statement of faith, we realize that sincere Anglicans, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Reformed Baptists, and a host of others could not join our church. To put this in context, Athanasius, Augustine, Francis, Luther, and Edwards could not join our church if we keep that word in our statement of faith. As you might imagine, that was a problem with me. (laughs) I happen to like those guys. I would like them to be part of our church. It didn't make sense. The, The elders at the time, we unanimously voted to remove that one word. Everything else is absolutely the same, but we changed our statement of faith so that now it just says, we believe in the personal bodily return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like every other Christian down through history, this is the historic Christian orthodoxy. If you're a Christian, that's what you should believe. And so we did that, but then that started a conversation with the Evangelical Free Church. I talked to Steve Musser, who's the district head here, and we started chatting through this. What's this going to mean? And really, to be perfectly frank, the conversation was like this. We really like being part of the Evangelical Free Church. We want to stay. But we're not going to keep this in our statement of faith. We just, we can't. It's cutting off our members. We even have elders, past and present, who can't affirm this. It's problematic. Like, we want our statement of faith to stand for something. We don't want to muddy it. And so they said, uh, we even, we talked, are there loopholes? Can we have one statement of faith and a second one? Can we do this and that? And the answer that we received on August 8th, the official word from not only Steve Musser, but from the national leaders, is that since we have modified our statement of faith, we will be removed from membership of the Evangelical Free Church. Notably, just the day before, another church in Philadelphia that we are friends with, uh, they received the exact same notice, and the pastor actually had his ordination removed. So at this point, we wanted to invite the whole church into this conversation. I'm sorry this is going so long, but this is important. If we do nothing, we will be removed from the membership of the EFCA. At this point, adding premillennialism back into the statement of faith is really problematic because a number of members and elders past and present cannot affirm it. However, this affects the entire church, so we want to invite everyone in on this discussion. We want to educate you. So there are handouts that I just handed out on what is premillennialism, why is it important, or why is it not important. And we're going to host two informational just Q&A nights, uh, Tuesday night, this Tuesday night at the bridge, and then Thursday night, 7 to 8 p.m. We would love for Thursday the 18th, that is. Anyone who wants to talk about this, work through this, what does this mean for us? We want to be there to to talk through these changes. So if, if we do nothing, we will be removed. Before that happens, though, we want to actually take a vote. We want to vote as a membership. So if you're a member of GVF, we're inviting you to vote. If the majority of our membership is concerned about this or does not want to, wants to add back this back in, then we're going to extend this conversation. I'm not saying the elders at the end of the day, they, they have the power to make decisions on doctrinal issues at our church. Having said that, we want everyone to be on board. So we want to meet with you. We want to talk through this. If you have problems with this, we want to work through this process together. If we don't have a vast majority of our church on board with it at that vote, we're going to slow things down. We're going to talk to the EFCA and see if we can extend this. We're going to bring Steve Musser and we're going to talk through things. And then the last thing is the next steps are if we do get removed from the membership roles, we would immediately set up an external advisory board so that we do have something in case of crisis or transition. In case I get hit by a truck or I, you know, I go crazy, there's someone that can step in and help through the leadership transition, okay? 
the other thing is that we would, that would be step one. We would immediately do that. That would be composed of other area pastors, respected ministry leaders, professors, people of that type. And then the next thing we'd do is we'd spend the next number of months, probably six to nine months, looking into another, other networks and associations we might join. So there you go. That's all. That's my announcement. Now it's your turn, Bob. <laughs> wow. Um, how, do I, how do I follow that? Since that isn't enough change for one morning, uh, the elders, um, I'm here to make an announcement on behalf of the elders uh, that we are seriously considering changing the name of our church. Uh, this issue's come up for several reasons, and I'm going to read from my script because when I go off script, I get in trouble. Uh, since, since we were named Grace Valley Fellowship almost 15 years ago, the name has served us well and aptly described who we were and what we believed God desired to do in our midst. Over the last two years, we have witnessed significant changes that God has made in our midst, both in our composition and in the clarity we have gained pertaining to our vision and mission. This is no accident but it is the result of an intentional movement in a direction that we believe God was leading us. Now we think it's time to update our name to better reflect this work that God has been doing already. In order to move along in this process, we want to invite you to join us and provide us with your feedback through a series of focus groups that Paul's already mentioned. We're going to be having those the next couple weeks, and the information was just up on the screen. As we've already started to consider some possible new names, we wanted to let you know of a couple that have caught our attention. Still Point Church, Center Point Church, and Restoration Church. Each of these has some appeal to us, with Still Point Church seeming to be a leading candidate. In the focus groups, we will better explain some of the criteria that we are using to identify a new name and why Still Point seems to best fit that criteria for now. One of our core values is mere Christianity. This means we want to recognize those things that are concrete and immovable in our faith. We believe our name is not an immovable item, but it exists so that we can properly identify ourselves to the community we are trying to reach, and we can be motivated to be about the work God has for us to do. We hope to see you in the focus groups, and this is a dialogue. We want to hear from you, and we want to engage you in this conversation. Thank you.